the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with Gabriel Garcia, who is a Youth Alive's Advocacy Director. And he really is focusing today on um, bringing, introducing people to their own power. Um, Gabe's job and his passion is giving those affected by violence, clients from prevention and intervention programs, a ringing voice in the quest for peace. Um, At the organization Youth Alive, um, they're really trying to help victims heal and stay safe and also change systems that allow violence and inequity and inequality to proliferate. Um, and, and Youth Alive knows that people who are best positioned to envision a better, safer, fairer future are those who have been most impacted by violence and by systems that create barriers to healing. Um, just a little bit about Gabe. He grew up in a close-knit extended family in South Sacramento, and he has... Um, uh, you know, Sacramento is a city that has long struggled with poverty and violence, so he's been exposed to that. But with the encouragement of his parents and teachers, he excelled at school early on, graduated from UC Davis, and eventually went to work for Washington, D.C.'s uh, D.C.-based Southeast Asian Re- Resource Action Center um, as a coordinator of their efforts to advocate for the often misunderstood boys and men of color. And now at City Hall, Um, Blazing the trail between Oakland and Sacramento, he represents the voice of those afflicted by violence. And he also heads up the Youth Alive Speaker Bureau, which is uh, Speak Up, Speak Out, and teaching youth and adults to use their voices to create change. And so Gabe is doing so many wonderful things. One of the things that Gabe says is his favorite thing is to give community members and young people tools to become champions of their own communities. Welcome to the show, Gabe. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I was so grateful to meet Gabe um, in uh, Survivor Speak 2023 in Sacramento, uh, where we were uh, participating in various breakouts, either learning about, you know, 
some of the things that struck me and just being there and present with so many amazing leaders and learning so many great things is that, uh, you know, we had an opportunity to learn about trauma in some of the breakouts. We had opportunities to learn about um, the advocacy, you know, policy, how laws are created. Um, to learn about actual violence that is impacting um, marginalized people groups throughout California and to really let survivors rest and and be present with their feelings, their pains, um, and articulate those pains in ways that, 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 that felt safe for them. And so for me, it was just a beautiful time. Uh, Tanisha, if you're listening, you did an amazing job, you and your team. Kudos to you. Um, and thank you for uh, inviting myself uh, to be a part of it, um, along with a, a group of other leaders, um, just amazing to watch. And so um, it was so wonderful to be able to bump into you, Gabe, and kind of engage in some of the conversation about the great work you're doing, you know, from Oakland a second. So I just wanted to, you know, you're doing all these great things. It, I heard a little bit in your bio about what is informed, you know, you being in Sacramento, seeing impoverished people, seeing marginalized people. What what else personally has sort of driven you to this place where you are passionate about giving people voice here? For me, I think it's coming from a community where I, I didn't really understand what kind of opportunities were available. So I, I had an interest in things related to social science and, you know, government when I was in high school. But what that looked like for me to be involved in, I had no idea. Um, mm -hmm. I had no connection to that world, uh, especially in my family. Um, my parents were super young when they had me. My mom was 15 when I was born. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, being part of that larger extended family that you mentioned, I was the first one to go to university and get my degree. And there weren't a whole lot of examples of what it looked like to be engaged in the making of policy growing up. So mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's about being who I wish I had to give me this kind of information about how accessible it actually can be to make some changes in your community um, and providing that to, to the folks who should be most heard when it comes to the issues of public safety. That's folks that are living in Oakland, those who have been directly impacted. You've either survived a violent incident yourself or lost loved ones um, to, to gun violence. And when I was learning about Youth Alive and the programs that they had, it was exactly what I wish my family had when uh, losing some cousins to gun violence in terms of being able to, to get in and provide the, the folks that are going through that the kind of support that they need. Um, Programs like ours that we have uh, at Youth Alive that we've been running for decades are so needed, um, but a lot of folks don't even know that they're out there until it's too late. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Is it just a, a marketing issue? Is it a communication issue? Is it because the resources are so limited? It just doesn't make sense to kind of really share them out. Why do you think so many, there's so many different resources but oftentimes the people that need it the most don't always know where to go. Yeah, I think there's a few challenges there. One is if you're an organization like ours that has those amazing resources, um, your priority is to make sure that you can provide those resources. Secondary becomes communication, right? We don't have a full-time communications person that's making sure that we're you know, everywhere. We're not on billboards. We're not on the radio and nothing like that. 
as I said, unfortunately, it's it's once folks need the services that they find out about it and being able to access some of those preventative services becomes more of a challenge. So part of our goal now is to make sure that our folks that are doing violence prevention intervention work um, have more of an outreach in the community so that folks are aware that these resources even exist. Take our violence interrupters, for example, who use their credibility, the relationships with uh, community members to actually mediate conflicts that are likely to become violent. Their yep. work thrives based off of relationships. So if somebody um, knows that their nephew might be getting into a conflict that might become violent, if they have a direct line to a violence interrupter, that makes the world a difference in whether or not yep. their nephew follows through with uh, their, their threats or intentions, right? So being able to, one, even build awareness for that, but two, also have the resources to um, support that many relationships in the community. So we've been in the process over the last couple of years of expanding. And like I said, the, the priority for expanding has been the, the frontline staff that are actually able to do these um, services and have these relationships because this, the way that violence prevention intervention work thrives is by being community-based. So it's really hard to bring somebody from outside the community um, that doesn't have the lived experience and expertise of what it's like to survive and be impacted by violence in Oakland and um, finding those folks who are willing to turn that pain into purpose as a process that takes time. But that's that's the only way that this this work actually is effective. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I mentioned to you that I. Two months ago, I took on the role as the chairperson of Violence Prevention Coalition for Oakland. Um, and I, you know, I did that carefully. I, I really weighed that out. I was, it was brought up to me a few months prior and I, uh, you know, really carefully prayed and thought about, you know, I weighed it out, the pros and the cons, because um, some of the areas I'm, you know, more of an expert in than others. Um, although my, Personal, you know, my family has been impacted by gun violence, incarceration, foster care, uh, poverty, um, you know, certainly sexual violence, um, you know, of all kinds, trafficking, all of that. So um, I, you know, but it's to your point, you know, it's sort of that lived experience where you're going, do you, can you, can you make sure that when you're speaking to somebody, you can empathize with what they're saying um, with their, you know, and also, do you have the the healing and the stabilization and the, you know, the 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 therapeutic kind of baseline that you need to be able to hear some horrific stories? I mean, it's just it just um, will rip you to pieces when you hear some of the things that people, in particular in Oakland, um, are you know Oakland or Stockton or Sacramento, like these cities where a lot there's just a lot of violence going on where where people are hurting. And people's mothers are being killed before their very eyes and people's children are being abducted and, you know, sold. I mean, these are the things that um, we are faced with in these roles. And so um, I did want to just um, acknowledge, you know, your point there. And and I wanted to we're going to take a quick break, but I wanted to also bring in uh, my buddy Anton Towers, who actually works for you, who's a credible messenger. Um, and a violence interrupter there with Youth Alive. And there's so many others that are just amazing parts of the Youth Alive community that I work with. Of course, um, Antoine being the previous uh, chairperson of VPC, but 
uh, just so much wonderful um, uh, self-sacrifice that's happening. I think that's the word that comes to mind. And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, in our next segment, you know, of, of the price that you're paying. Um, but then the just the, the joy that comes from being that relevant and that credible messenger in the community. We're going to come right back and thanks so much for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Are you struggling to find peace in your life? Feeling anxious or going through a difficult life storm? Scott Dixon, a Christian humanitarian filmmaker and host of the Dove Teachings web series, wants you to know that you are not alone. Go to DoveTeachings.org to see great Dove Teaching lessons, pastor insights, and aspiring testimonies. You can watch the current show and more at DoveTeachings.org. That's D-O-V-E Teachings.org, where you will find peace in your daily life through the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Gabriel Garcia, who is Youth Alive's Advocacy Director. And we are talking about the ways in which Gabriel and the collective Youth Alive team uh, introduce people to their own power by uh, allowing them to uh, harness maybe their personal experiences of violence uh, their personal experiences uh, experiences of of harm and using that to inspire them to become champions in their own community. And so I'd like to talk some more about this notion of a credible messenger. Um, and uh, lately I've been um, really advocating within uh, my own, within Love Never Fails about the value and the importance of having uh, lived experience speak, you know, fairly loud in uh, in terms of the way that we, uh, our mission, the way that we, the way we move, our operations, um, and but there's a way to do it. There is a way to do it. You don't just throw people in that, um, you know, that have experienced trauma and say, yeah, go fix trauma, right? You know, it's it's there's a there's a way. So so tell me what what are your thoughts on what's the right way to do this so that you're caring for people as they are out there being credible messengers and yet at the same time uh, recognizing that they are empowered and they do have this voice that will make a huge difference. There are a few things that I think are really key. One, especially with the policy and advocacy work is being really honest about how difficult it can be to stand in front of a room of people and maybe talk about the worst thing that's ever happened to you Mm. and recognizing that that 
might sometimes be necessary in order to change some hearts and minds. So the way that I, I frame it for folks is really thinking about policy making and advocacy as um, as a form of storytelling and recognizing that the powers of storytelling are why we do this. That's what's why we're focused on this. One of them is being able to educate people. You might be talking to elected officials who have some idea uh, around public safety and what's needed, but they may not know what it's like to actually be a survivor of gun violence. They may not know what it's like to lose a loved one to gun violence. So being able to sit across from them face to face and paint that picture, um, lets them know that the votes that they're about to take or the actions that they might take on our, our policies will directly impact human beings, just like the one sitting across from them. And that only happens if they're able to hear these stories. So educating folks is a big part of it. Changing hearts and minds. You might have somebody that comes in with a conception that maybe we're talking about violence prevention and the, the elected official or decision maker, whoever it is, believes that police are the end-all be-all for preventing violence, preventing crime. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to change their hearts and minds, they might have to hear from a violence interrupter who just mediated a conflict the other day that was likely to become violent in a way that a police officer never could, right? And it's because mm -hmm. they have that credible um, voice within the community that they can come in. It's not from a, a criminal justice perspective. It's from a health-based approach of not wanting this person who maybe their heart is leaning towards retaliation or is full of anger to go down a road that's going to put them uh, towards further harm. It's only yeah. because we have a credible messenger being able to do that, that they can prevent violence. So changing somebody's hearts and minds around what public safety looks like or what we need to create public safety, that could be part of the storytelling. Um, yeah. Lastly, it's, it's motivating folks to take action. We've all heard stories that uh, make us want to take action in some way, shape or form. And being able to connect that with the impact of, of gun violence is, is part of why. But all that being said, storytelling is really powerful. It can be yeah. really hard to do when it's connected mm -hmm. to trauma. So being honest about that is number one. Yeah, no, that's so good. Um, when we we have a survivor speaker bureau, and when we um, get ready for a survivor leader to share their story, um, you know, we meet with them beforehand and after to debrief, just to kind of um, see how they're doing, how they're feeling, and of course, um, I found, and I'm, I'm still, this is just a, a work in progress because we just formalized this process really before we were doing it very informally. But um, now, you know, there's even uh, like psychoeducation about like paying attention to how your body feels and, you know, are you feeling shortness of breath? Are you, um, is your stomach hurt? Do you, you know, do you feel anxious or uh, like you're going to have a panic attack? Any of those kinds of things, trying to make sure that people are aware of their state um, afterwards so that they can take care of themselves. Um, you know, obviously I'm a praying person, so I always pray over people after they've given, if they want that, right. I, I, I offer it to them if they want that, but it's just, um, it's just, you know, you've got to have a way to, um, kind of center yourself and, and get yourself um, calm again. So, 
um, yeah, I, I, I'm always curious as to what, you know, because when you're li- dealing with people who've experienced trauma and then they're going into these situations where, you know, somebody's saying, no, you know, he, he, he has beef with my brother, you know, I'm gonna go handle him. And it's like, and you're getting somebody else in there and they have to be kind of like that central person that's like voice of reason. And, and maybe the person might be saying some things that reminded them of their own situation, you know, and they're going to have to keep that contained for the greater good of the whole community. It's really hard to do, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here we are, we've got these credible messengers that are intervening. And then you have other people in the community that are like saying, you know, we're going to police this away. We're going to criminalize this away. What do you, what are your thoughts? What's Youth Alive's position on, um, you know, the, the police's role in, in the community, if, if there's a stance at all? Yeah, I think that what we have been saying, especially starting with 2020, where we saw a huge historic spike in violence after years of seeing declining violence, we just realized, especially in Oakland, where we're not a big town, but violence is a huge issue that we need an all hands on deck approach to addressing and reducing violence. Mm-hmm. So understanding that the police have a role to play and we have ours and ours is focusing on violence prevention, intervention and healing. Mm-hmm. So there, there are certain things, um, like I said, places that we can access that law enforcement officers can't and people we can, we can reach that, um, police can't. So understanding the role that we have to play, that's what we are most focused on is the ways that from a community-based perspective, from a health-based approach, how are we able to, to get into these spaces and get people to put their guns down, um, get people to see that all of the things that feel natural after you have been attacked or a loved one has been attacked, like seeking retaliation or getting a gun, joining a gang for protection, all of those things actually put somebody at more risk. So we have somebody at a hospital bedside, one of our intervention specialists going to the hospital bedside of somebody who's just been violently injured, all of their friends and family wanting the same thing, wanting retaliation, wanting to know who to go after. When we have somebody at the hospital bedside providing a different path, a path towards healing instead of retaliation, we see, yeah, we see that re-injury rate drop. So our goal, again, is to to really be health based in the way that we outreach to these folks and not coming from a perspective of punishment or, you know, getting involved with the criminal justice system at all. It's really about helping people make healthy choices in those situations. I love that. I love that. So good. Um, So we're going to take a quick break because I want to give us enough time to really unpack this, but um, I'll just set us up here so we we can get everyone back. Um, One of the things that I uh, presented on at um, at Survivor Speak um, 2023, uh, and and it was just a a great opportunity for me to dig in um, to this issue of how do you reconcile the fact that Many of our uh, girls are being trafficked and it's predominantly girls, but, you know, definitely there are boys and LGBTQ members of our LGBTQ community um, are absolutely impacted as well. And um, 
And so, you know, Tamika Wolford and myself did this presentation called Saving Ourselves, um, exploring the impacts of exploitation in a hurting community. And the whole point of this was to look at girls that are predominantly being sold for sex and then boys, and this, uh, these are, I'm giving, you know, kind of generalities here, but I mean, there's certainly girls that are exploiters. So I just want to make that sure. And non-binary people in both categories, right. That are, um, that are represented, but I'm just here. You have predominantly black girls being exploited in Oakland and predominantly black males that are exploiting in Oakland. Ridiculous. Like one report showed 40% in the U S of those that are exploited are black women, 24% Latino women, 44% of those that are exploiting are black men, 29% Latino men. And when I looked at those parodies, I said, wow, it's very clear that the exploitation, uh, the exploiter and the exploited are coming from the same communities. And I started to ask myself, well, why is that? And I started to look at the underlying issues um, in terms of poverty, in terms of um, uh, you know, generational trauma and addictions, um, violence, right? Generational violence. And, and it all began to say, you know, gosh, we need that deeper healing to happen here. So when we come back, I want to hear from you, Gabriel, about wh- what do we do with this? The, you know, this duality, how, how do we hold people accountable? And at the same time, um, hear the voice of the victim, right? So uh, we're going to come back and we're going to hear from Gabriel on this topic. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Gabriel Garcia, who is Youth Alive's Advocacy Director. And we're talking about violence, how to interrupt violence, how to bring voice and leadership to community members that are experiencing this firsthand. And um, during just before the break, I asked the question, you know, how do we reconcile, how do we bring um, healing to people who are being victimized by violence? 
um, especially in a community where the person who may be doing the violence is of the same community, of the same race, uh, you know, of the same experience. Um, and so it, it's this hurting community that we're trying to meet. And so, Gabriel, what are your thoughts are on that? There's a lot to say on that. Um, the most important thing, I think, to realize, as you had mentioned, is hurt people hurt people. So all of our communities, especially those that have been impacted by racism, poverty, um, are in dire need of healing. So that's immediately what comes to mind. I think the, the other thing that comes to mind is this is all part of the same problem, which is a systematic devaluation of the lives of people of color. And I think that's why the call um, for Black Lives Matter is so important because it's recognizing that, you know, when we talk about the challenges um, that are presented when it comes to community trust and law enforcement, it's about the devaluation of Black life. But when people respond talking about Black on Black crime and why aren't we talking about that, it's like everybody who's impacted by crime cares about Black and Black crime. Why do those things have to be in competition? Can we not care about both? So being able to hold space uh, for both of those things, I think, is a challenge. And where we come in in Youth Alive is really listening to the perspectives and experiences of survivors. We have, um, you know, a huge challenge with with violence, but crime generally here in Oakland. And at the same time, a lot of people don't want to contribute to mass incarceration. So how do we hold both of those things, wanting accountability, wanting justice, but not wanting to send more and more of our young black and brown men behind bars? And can we have a system? Can we build a society where we focus on both? For me, it comes down to listening to what survivors want. There are different kinds of accountability and justice, like restorative justice, where we don't have to necessarily involve incarceration. We don't have to go down the, the criminal justice system, but we can still get survivors to achieve accountability and justice and get um, anybody who has perpetrated harm to account for that harm and atone for it in different ways. It, it all comes down to what the specific survivor wants in that situation. Right now, we don't have a system where those options are available, widely available to a lot of people. So our only mm -hmm. conception, our only idea of what justice looks like is putting somebody behind bars. And like I said, there's many in the community who don't feel like that is the right option. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I, and I've seen some vigilanteism as well, where uh, there was, a, I'm thinking of one case in particular, there was a girl that was raped at a high school in Oakland, and it, it never was reported to the police. And so the young men in the school decided to take that into their own hands and almost killed the person that was, you know, was, was um, accused of doing it. And um, and I just thought, wow, you know, this is not working either because now these young men are up on charges for assault and they're trying to kind of back up what they would consider their little sister. It's just it's just terrible all around. Right. Because nobody you know, these families didn't feel like they could go to the police because, you know, maybe the police wouldn't help or maybe they didn't want to, you know, see the young man thrown in jail or but then somebody felt somebody else felt like justice wasn't done. And, and, you know, we, I don't even know that anyone ever got to what she wanted, right. What the victim wanted. Um, and so 
I, I agree that there needs to be better systems, you know, better response systems um, and sort of a reimagining, if you will, about what it would look like to have this kind of holistic way of responding. Um, but it's certainly, it's been a real challenge um, and we're seeing it, you know, just this week uh, we had a report of 10 um, 10 attempted kidnappings and or kidnappings of black girls um, over the last month. Um, and and uh, about 27 agencies came together to uh, declare a state of emergency because of uh, that. And only three, actually only one of the 10 attempted kidnappings were, were, were submitted to the police. Only one, they only have one record. Two of them, uh, two nonprofits could vouch for those because they were involved in them. And the other seven were more just tribal, like, you know, we're still trying to figure out who told what, who told who what. And, um, but, you know, they've, 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 they've happened. Right. And so how do we get the word out? How do we, how do we make people aware that it's um, in this neighborhood, that it's, you know, someone in one of the cases, it was someone driving a black Lexus. Um, by Lake Merritt. Another one of the cases was someone driving a silver Lexus by Trestle Glen. So now we can kind of warn those neighborhoods, but if we don't have the data, then we can't warn anybody. So it's just, oh, what do you, make it make sense, Gabriel. What do, what do we do? What, what should we do about this? I think what you're getting at, and I don't have a solution, but I think what you're getting at is we don't trust the traditional system that is there to keep us safe which is yep. law enforcement and police. Mm -hmm. That is the crux of the issue is yep. that our system is designed that these are the keepers of safety, but the breakdown in trust is yeah. what leads to people having information and not wanting to share. Yeah. So getting around that is the question of our time. How do, how do we reimagine ways where um, people are invested in the safety of their community without having this conception of being a snitch or, you know, betraying your own people or, you know, going, uh, going the other way on your own neighborhood. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that takes time. It takes work. But if you look at the, the city of Oakland, folks have valid reasons not to trust law enforcement. Yeah. Um, historically, Oakland has been an example of some uh, egregious injustices at the hands of police. So there's a lot of uh, repair that, that needs to be done in order to rebuild that trust. And I would say that the, the onus is definitely on law enforcement to, to rebuild that, but it does take time and it is a challenge. And we're talking about a total culture shift there after decades of distrust that has only built, um, has only gotten worse in recent years. So again, recognizing that there are organizations and agencies that can help fill that gap. You mentioned nonprofits being able to, to vouch and, and manage that some of that reporting. I think that public nonprofit partnerships are definitely one way where we can create um, public safety with agencies, organizations that do have a community trust and credibility, but can um, institutionally contribute to public safety, community safety, and Youth Alive aims to be one of those organizations. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with you. And I think I'm just so grateful to you guys that you are um, bringing forth, you know, the credible messengers and um, 
uh, people with lived experience that can be relevant. Um, so, I mean, again, we, we don't have it all figured out, but I think we're trying, we're trying our best. Boy, you know, just a side note, it's rough out there though, right? As we're figuring out some of these things, we make mistakes. Um, we do things, you know, uh, maybe not the best way and boy, we really pay for it, but um, it's okay. You know, we got to, going to keep going. We're going to keep going for the people. So we're going to come back. I want to talk a little bit more about advocacy in Sacramento, uh, in the state capitol, and, and kind of how you evaluate some of the bills that are coming down and and um, and make sure that they're accessible and understood by the people that are living in these communities. So I uh, want to take a quick break. We'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash, consolidation, and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today uh, with Gabriel Garcia, and we are talking about Youth Alive and violence interruption, um, empowering voice, um, especially the voice of those who've been impacted by violence in communities. And now, I'd love to have a discussion about advocacy. So, um, as the advocacy director, Gabriel, you're in. Um, you're in Sacramento, I'm sure, uh, quite a bit. And are you a are you an attorney by trade? No. Okay. So some of the concerns I have, um, I'm not an attorney by trade, although I am very legally minded. So um, just kind of have a knack for that. But um, I I feel like you have to be an attorney to be able to participate in a lot of these places and 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 really understand what's being said. I mean, how did you learn about um, you know, how to create an assembly bill and a Senate bill and how laws are created. And how did you learn about that? And how do you educate people in Oakland about that? Yeah, it's been a mix. I mean, starting with a schoolhouse rock and um, just a bill. Yeah. That, you know, if you heard that song, you have a pretty good idea of how this works. Honestly, it, it really is about being able to recognize that there are um, elected officials in the state capitol and city hall. I do genuinely care about a lot of these issues. And if you come to them with an idea that uh, fits their their vision or, or their values with what they want to see for the state of California, for the city of Oakland, 
they will help you. They will work with you to turn that idea into the legal policy language that is necessary for it to become law. So you don't have to be a legal expert to get involved. Um, what you do need is to have an expertise in your community. And that's a lot of what I tell folks when I'm bringing them to the state capital or getting them involved in policymaking. But for me, it, it really is um, about recognizing that this system of policymaking is inaccessible by design. It is not designed for everybody to hop in and get involved and share their opinion. Mm -hmm. And my role is one to facilitate that, to, to bring people into those spaces. But I really see myself as a translator. So being mm -hmm. able to, to read policy and translate for community members exactly how this is going to impact them or their community and for elected officials to take the voices and perspectives I hear from our community members, our clients, our youth, our staff and bring that to elected officials so I could translate that for them and get them to understand that the policies that they're voting on, they're reading, they're taking actions on, they're reviewing, how those will have an impact on communities like Oakland. So being that two-way translator is at the core of my job as policy and advocacy director. And um, I think the most valuable thing that I can do is um, be that voice on both sides to mm -hmm especially when it comes to violence prevention and the impact of the policies on Oakland. Yeah. I was just mesmerized by, and I guess we all know this, but I just, I was really, um, I guess just a little bit heartbroken. I think when I was listening to uh, the, the team that shared about, you know, how bills are passed um, at survivor speak 2023. And it just, talking about kind of the trade-offs that happened. It almost sounded to me like, you know, a, a DA saying, you know, I'm going to let this person off if you let that person off and, you know, or I'm going to give this one a plea if I can get that from you. And, you know, you're just horse trading to get some bills across the line. And um, I mean, I knew that, but just hearing it, you know, from people that are up, sitting in, in the state capitol, just like, oh, you know, so, um, but, you know, such is life, right? We have to make compromises. And sometimes the safety of certain people are compromised for, for the safety of others, or maybe to align with an agenda. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think the act of doing that kind of politics is very messy and complicated and is not something that I, I take any pleasure in getting involved in. Mm -hmm. My goal really is to design the best policies based off of the experiences of our survivors yeah. and uh, do my best job stewarding that through the process. And the elected officials are going to make the decisions that they make. And if, if any of that plays a role where they're thinking about some of those, um, the, the horse trading aspect that you mentioned, if that's something that's top of mind for them, then those they're going to make the decisions based off of that. My yeah. goal is to make sure that they have the best possible information right, yeah. that they are uh, hearing about the impacts on survivors and, and victims of uh, of violence and that 
they are um, fully prepared to, to understand the, the impact of the actions that they're taking. So yeah. that is always my goal. And, and bringing people into that space, one of the things that I tell them, not necessarily on the, the horse trading aspect, but one of the things I tell them is this all takes time. It takes there's, time, yeah. There's some fights that took decades and decades uh, in order to get any kind of policy change. So yeah. we might get uh, no wins this year, but the win might be next year. And this is all part of that process of, again, educating, changing yeah. hearts and minds and motivating people to act. So some of the bills that I have in the state capitol that are informed by the experiences of our clients, survivors of gun violence here in Oakland, I've been working yeah. on these bills for three years and every year, I hope this is the year that it gets passed. But the, the reality is that all of it takes time. And mm-hmm. the process is very, very slow because you're not just dealing with, especially in the state capital, you're not just dealing with folks who care about Oakland. You're dealing with folks who care about um, Oakland, but also there's a representative for Redding. There's a representative for Bakersfield and Fresno and every single part of L.A., if you look at that map, you, you have to get a majority of those folks on most bills, a majority of those folks to agree. And they might all have competing priorities and understandings of how this is going to impact them. And for the most part, the general rule is they want to be reelected. So the equation they're always doing in their head is if I vote for this or if I vote against this, is that something that my voters, the people that live in my district that elected me to be here, is that something they're going to increase their support or decrease their support? That's the constant equation. So being able to appeal to that part, I think is ultimately the most important part of what we do is getting them to understand the impact, not only on Oakland, even though as a community-based organization, that is our voice, but it's recognizing that a lot of the same challenges that our victims and survivors are dealing with in Oakland, same thing is happening. Uh, all around the state of California and making that abundantly clear to them is where we can kind of overcome some of the, the pettier and, and messier aspects of the the politics. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I think it's interesting that the way that the structure is processed is to be um, to cater to the majority vote when many of the laws that we're trying to uh, get across the line have to do with the minority or the 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 marginalized, and so it's like when does the majority voice voice rather, you know, really clearly articulate the pain of the minority uh, in the community? It's, it's just an interesting, you know, the way that we go about coming to some of our conclusions is it seems a bit um, uh, counter to. Um, you know, what, who, who's really being impacted. So, um, and the other thing that just an observation, as I was looking around the people that were advocating, um, most of them don't look like people that are in the inner cities that, you know, that I, I'm interacting with. So then I'm like, oh, this is hard. So anyway, but I know, I know we got it. I, I love your pace, Gabriel. You got it. You said you got to pace yourself. It's going to take time. I get it. Yeah. So it's a long game. It's a long game. It's a long game. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to um, get some more information from you about how people can support your work, how people can learn more from some of the real stories that um, you are um, 
you are focusing on. So we'll, um, we'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. All right. Well, welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, have been having a great conversation with Gabriel Garcia of Youth Alive. And um, I love that name, by the way, Youth Alive. Let's keep our youth alive through through healing, through communication, through humanity, um, humanitarian efforts, um, so health efforts. Um, tell us... If you, you know, looking at all of the the people that you're serving today, what are some things that uh, Youth Alive needs help with um, that the community can help support you with? Uh, there's a lot. I think just the nature of being a nonprofit, a lot of the ways that we're funded is really tied to providing the, the services that we have. But our staff recognize um, that a lot of the people that they are working with are clients who have been directly impacted by violence, have needs that are maybe not covered by our funding sources, right? So if, if our funder just says you can use X amount of dollars to pay your staff, mm-hmm. that doesn't cover necessarily, say one of our clients just needs groceries and that is the priority mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, if we are working with uh, clients who, who want to tell their story, can't necessarily afford to take themselves to Sacramento, being able to to cover those kind of costs and fees. Um, hmm. Donating directly to Youth Alive allows us to have that unrestricted funding to, to support folks. Um, uh, again, this is coming from our frontline workers who want to put on events for the community. That's not necessarily something that we have funding for. So mm-hmm. recognizing that the energy that our staff have, as you mentioned, is a very special type of person. Um, having unrestricted funds for them to do what they think is necessary for the community is one way that we would definitely appreciate having support on. And um, yeah, when it, when it comes to doing what's right for Oakland, it's it's recognizing that there's there's a lot of different ways on what that can look like. Um, and again, not all of them are covered by the the kind of funding that we have. And how can people, you know, look to, to fund and or engage with you, volunteer with your organization? 
support, maybe drop off groceries. I don't know. How, how, how can they reach you to have those kinds of conversations, Gabriel? Yeah, well, uh, folks can email me at ggarcia at youthalive.org. Always happy to to chat with folks around what they they want to do and how they want to contribute to to Youth Alive. Um, Some things that we are also thinking about in the works is when we are training folks to get involved with policy and advocacy, um, they can have a, a willing audience to listen to their stories. So if, if you're interested in being a part of supporting folks who want to be part of the change or are learning how to, to tell their stories and connect to policy, that's something that we're trying to build out right now. So again, if you, if you reach out to me at Garcia at youthalive.org, I'd be happy to talk about what that can look like and how you can get involved with supporting our folks and just being a willing audience member and, you know, giving constructive feedback. That's something that we want to build into our speakers bureau. So uh, if, if anybody's interested in being a part of that, it would, it would be really helpful. And it's youth alive with no exclamation, right? At the end.org. Yeah. Just youth alive. Okay. Dot org. Okay, perfect. Just want to make sure. There you have it. Um, so please do support the work that they're doing. It is so important. And I can't emphasize enough that when you are supporting people with a lived experience, there are just some different kind of things that you've got to be able to uh, provide that are that, that are not traditional employee, employee, employer type of, of, of resources. And so, yeah, please support. Um, thank you again, Gabriel, for being here today. Um, and then just on the Love Never Fails and just wanted you to uh, be aware that um, we have some events that are coming up and hopefully you can uh, you can join us. Of course, we have the Oakland um, uh, City Citywide Violence Prevention Coalition Summit, right? Peace Summit. And so um, there is an event right for that, which I'm happy to send out to you. It's going to be at Laney College on the 24th of June uh, from 10 to 4 p.m. And we uh, would love for you to register on our, uh, we'll actually include the link to the, um, to the event so that you can register. So we'll make sure we have enough food for you. We're going to have prizes, raffle, um, guest speakers. And what we're going to do that day is we want to hear from you 10 here and now solutions, nothing long-term, no, nothing strategic, practical solutions to today's violence, here and now data, uh, here and now ideas, 10 of them. Um, we want to come away with 10 of them, three from gender-based violence, three from youth and uh, family uh, uh, violence, and um, three from uh, gun violence. And we are going to, uh, I'm sorry, three from youth violence and three from gun violence slash family violence. So there's those three categories. And then we'll have one extra one that the VPC leadership team will create. So it's 10 total. We'd love to have you come out and contribute to that. Anyone is welcome. This is a free event. We will feed you. It will be an important time for all of us to come together. So please mark your calendars, the 24th of uh, January. And then of course, and that's really Violence Prevention Coalition. And then from a Love Never Fails standpoint, uh, we hope to see you out at our community engagement center in Hayward uh, from 12 to 5 p.m. If you need toiletries, you uh, want to use our computers, you need resumes, uh, advice, uh, mock interviews, any of those kinds of things, you can come out. You can also sign up for our IT biz uh, classes, which start on July 5th. And you can do that by going to Love Never Fails Us 
com forward slash ITBiz. All right. Well, I think that is all we have time for today. Of course, we always want to make sure that you know if you haven't heard it before or if you need to hear it again, we always want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.